How about now? How about now? There we go. Okay. So, this might come as a surprise to you, but um, over the last um, month and a half or so, I've been reflecting an awful lot on organizational structure, on how human operations run. And while Lou has been a very good listener, she doesn't have a lot of insights to share with me on the topic just yet. So now that I'm back and have you all to chat with, I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts on the very same subject. So I've been thinking a lot about organizational structure, meaning I've been thinking about how people work together for a common purpose, and I've thought about it on a lot of different levels. For example, at home, Heather and I are negotiating the adjustments that need to be made together. We share the load. I'm the primary diaper changer and the primary cook. She's the primary feeder of the baby and washer of the dishes. We split the laundry and the times to walk the dog, thankfully, and when we're lucky, we do get to take a family walk together. Together, we negotiate time for each of us to work and to ensure the care of our daughter, Louise. We don't really organize our life together according to the model of our families of origin. For our family, we're forging our own organizational structure. Or for another example of the types of structures I've been contemplating, last weekend, Lou and I joined Heather in Montgomery, Alabama, to support Heather and the work of the nonprofit that she works for. It was the annual conference called The Convening, and people gathered together uh, to learn more about the multi-pronged and ongoing effort to end extreme sentencing for children in the U.S. and to create opportunities for formerly incarcerated youth to thrive as adults and lead in their communities. At the convening, I was struck by the diversity of participants. There were formerly incarcerated people. There were victim family members, lawyers, both prosecutors and defense attorneys. There were parole board members. There were elected lawmakers. There were advocates and educators and corporate partners, and all the while, it was impressed upon the gathered body the importance of and the gift that is leadership of directly impacted people. For the Campaign for the Fair Sentencing of Youth, the organizational structure of the movement is not a top-down hierarchical model dictated by the organization's staff. Rather, their effectiveness of their advocacy and healing work It's achieved through an organizational model rooted in empowerment and collaboration, using the gifts and skills of the many different constituencies that they engage. And of course, these days, especially these days, I'm always thinking about the organizational structure of our church, of our community of faith here at First Presbyterian Church. You may be aware that for the last year and a half or so, the session, the spiritual leaders of this church have been praying about and discussing the organizational structure of our community. To date, we've been operating with a bit more of a hierarchical structure. With the session at the head, the committees have been the shoulders under which the ministries of the church hang. Mission is the right hand, worship is the left, education is the right foot, and fellowship and outreach is the left, and 
Perhaps I, as the pastor, am the eyes, able to see the work of each part, and, of course, the love of God, the call of Christ that is the beating heart of this body. And like any physical body, things change with the passage of time. Bodies grow and evolve. We're discovering that this incredible body of faith here at First Pres, it is ever-growing, too. Our second scripture reading for today, it provides us helpful insight as we begin to think anew about how we as a church might organize ourselves in this time and place. Igniting our imaginations with an image that we can all relate to, the text invites us to consider the body, the human body, our human bodies, and to remember the diversity of our parts, the interconnected nature of each unique moving part. And then think again about how we are organized as a community of faithful people. While this text is rather familiar, I invite you to listen to it again with fresh ears. Let it seep into your mind and settle into your bones. Let us listen for God's word, discovering our own sense of belonging in the body of Christ. Let us pray. Here we are. Here we are, O oh God, each of us your children created in your own image. Each of us unique and different. Each of us granted different gifts according to your spirit. For each of us, holy God, open our hearts. Open our ears to hear your word. Grant us understanding of your will. Through your word, May we discover hope. May we discover peace. Amen. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, enslaved or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear were to say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, well, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as the Creator chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members, they don't need this. But God has so arranged the body giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have 
the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive. Strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our text for this morning begins with the familiar introduction, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For Christians, for most churchgoers, this text is familiar, because it's often pointed to as the model of Christian community, a model for church life. While Jesus teaches us to love one another, Paul fleshes out the blueprint of Christian community with the image of the human body. In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul is the only New Testament writer to use the metaphor of the body when offering guidance about how to be the church. However, the image of the body as a communal blueprint was not unique to Paul. In Paul's time, Other writers in the Roman world, especially politicians and philosophers, they used the same image. Most often, it was used, as it could be today, to support the social hierarchy, whether for the family or the city or the empire as a whole. In such writings, the point was that society needs a head, and the head needs hands, And in society, the head was, and arguably still is, the wealthy, the privileged, the educated, the elite. And the hands are everyone else. But what's unique about Paul's use of the metaphor in his letter to the Corinthians is that in similar fashion to Jesus, he draws on the familiar image of the empire and he flips it on its head. You see, by invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit, the body metaphor in Paul's letter is quite different from that of the Roman world. Most often, when we hear this passage of Scripture, when we imagine the church as the body of Christ, we picture a snapshot of the human body. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. All the usual human body bits in between. When we imagine this snapshot, a hierarchical model makes sense when considering how we might organize ourselves as a community of believers seeking to love God and to love one another, the session as the head, the committees as our limbs, and so on. But what if we considered the same body in motion with the passage of time? You see, the body metaphor Paul uses here is not an affirmation of the same old hierarchy. Instead, Paul is depicting a deep unity of the whole body that 
each unique part is recognized and cared for by the others, that each part belongs to one another and to, and to God. While the imperial use of the metaphor counts on the listener imagining a snapshot of a body at a moment in time, Paul ignites our imagination by reminding us that the human body is a living being, dynamic, moving, growing, maturing, fragile, yet resilient. The human body changes with the passage of time, and its needs change from age to age. For Christian community, the unity of the body is made possible when all parts acknowledge that they belong to God, that they belong in community according to the Spirit, that they belong to one another. The whole body cannot survive with just one part. Rather, the diversity of the parts is what makes the body thrive and grow over time. Parts considered honored are appreciated, and the definition of honor becomes more expansive, more inclusive as time goes on. Parts considered weak, they're treated with special care. And all parts are connected to one another so that challenges and successes are shared and achieved together. As Paul suggests, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This was the guidance the Apostle Paul gave to the early church in Corinth when considering how they built their lives together as a community. And this is the guidance that we would be wise to follow today. So how might this image of the body inform our organizational structure? How might it shape our posture towards change, towards the changing landscape around us? How? When I think of my own body, without looking in a mirror, the image that comes to my mind is the body that I had when I was 26. That's what I think I look like. At 26, I was in seminary. The world was my oyster. The spinal cord surgery I had when I was 22, it had completely healed. I was back to full speed. I played sports. I worked out. I was fit. I liked how I looked. I loved how I felt. I didn't take vitamins. My metabolism worked such that I could eat and drink anything that I wanted to. So in reality, when I look in a mirror, a different body is in fact looking back at me. A 39-year-old body looks back at me. This, this 39, you all see the 39-year-old, I feel like it's 26, but this 39-year-old body, it's still happy. It is healthy. It can carry a baby on a long walk, and it can bounce her for hours with deep knee lunges. Thanks be to God. It can still go for a run-ish, but it looks different. It works a little differently than it did. It needs different care than my 26-year-old body did. I need to be more mindful about what I eat. Heartburn is real. Probiotics are a daily necessity, and when I run, I now need compression socks to support my shins. This body is as good as my 26-year-old body was. It's just different. It's just different now, and different parts need different attention to ensure the well-being of my life. 
to ensure the well-being of the whole. If we consider the diversity of the parts of the body with the addition of the passage of time, we begin to see how Paul's metaphor does indeed speak to the church in every generation. For one generation, the organizational structure of hierarchy worked for the church. It was effective in enabling and empowering community members to live faithful lives as disciples of Jesus. And the changing nature of our bodies helps us understand that for a different time, a different structure may be needed to empower community members to live faithful lives as disciples of Jesus. And this transition, this growth, this maturation, this new stage of life, it is all made possible still by the unifying presence of the Holy Spirit. Though we are many individuals, each gifted uniquely according to the Spirit, we are drawn together by the same Spirit as one body. In every time and place, we are called to consider anew the part we play in the body of Christ. Each one of us is needed. Each one of us belongs. Each one of us is needed. No one shall be cut off. No one shall feel that this body has no need for you. Each of us is indispensable, a vital part of this body of faith. Just outside this sanctuary in the Copeland Room, along the back wall, you may have noticed some sign-up sheets. There are empty lines that await your name. Empty lines that await your name. Whether you've been a member here for decades, whether you're here for only a short while longer, your participation in this body of faith is wanted, it is needed, it is welcomed, it is indispensable. We are shifting the way our church comes together to plan our communal life because we are indeed a living body. We are alive to the Holy Spirit at work in and among us. And we are alive and responsive to the needs of our church community today. If you want to know more information about what participation will look like in this new organizational model, just ask me or any session members. In fact, session members, raise your hands so that people can find you. Find one of these folks. Ask a question how you can participate. As a church, we are growing into a new stage in our life together as a body. Together, may we give thanks for the spirit who draws us together. Together, may we discover anew what this body can do to transform our lives, to transfer our community in love and in peace. Amen.